I want to ask a couple questions as we get started here. And it's questions I think about. It's questions not only for today, for the week, maybe the rest of your life. It's, I think they're important. Um, we think about, I want to ask, like, who in the Old Testament, when you think of people of faith, like, who do you think of and why? The answer to the question is important. I think uh, we see people, oh, man, love, he's strong, he's whatever. It's like, but why those people in the Old Testament? I think King David, right? He slew Goliath. Um, he, he put up with the, the, the tethering of Saul. He eventually became king. Um, and then there's, more, there's Rahab. She was a prostitute, a Canaanite prostitute who sheltered the Jewish spies to protect them. Her life, her very life was at hand. Yet she trusted in God somehow. Uh, we, and the list can go on. If you read Hebrews 11, uh, the hall of faith, there's many, many Old Testament saints we could look at. And it's like, why, why do you put your faith uh, in a God? Um, and, and we look at these people, and why are they encouraging to you? I want to bring it up a little bit. Um, what about New Testament saints, right? We have, I think we think of Apostle Paul. Uh, he persecuted the Jews. He was there when, when they were killing Christians. Um, excuse, he persecuted Christians. And, and, uh, but then God got a hold of him and changed his life. And it changed his perspective on uh, who, God, who the God he was serving. Uh, let's come a little closer now. I want, how about someone today? Who here, do you, who, do you, who do you look to as a faith and say, man, that's a man of God, that's a woman of God, but why? Why do you think that? Why, why, what is, why do you put that hope in that? Um, I'm going to bring it in even a little closer, uh, kind of convicting, but it, it's important. I think, um, how about you? If everyone in this church had the same faith that you did, I'm not talking about your personality. I'm not talking about the way you brush your teeth. Um, I'm talking about the way you love the Lord, the way you love the scriptures, the way you pray for people, have compassion for the poor, the needy, the helpless. How would, the, how would this church be? Would it be church overflowing with fruit that the barn houses could not store? Or would it be lackluster fruit that uh, the, the cellophane wrapped fruit on your table that's... It's, it's nice and shiny on the outside, but the inside is dull. Um, I know it's kind of convicting, but uh, that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I want to... Um, yeah, just an- another good question. If, if a new believer in Christ came to you and said, Look, I want to imitate your faith. I want to walk like you do. Can you show me how you walk? Or even, would you have the audacity to tell someone else, hey, walk like me as I follow Jesus? And Paul said this several times. And I'm not saying, hey, follow me. Paul didn't say, follow me, like bow down to me. He said, no, follow me, imitate my faith as I, as I follow Jesus and all the things that I do. I, I'm not perfect. I have my failings, but praise God, he works even through my sin. So that's what Paul is saying, like, follow me. I'm broken and weak, but I go to the Savior. Would you be able to say that in your life? We've been studying through the seven I am's. Um, We've already heard the first six of them. But uh, today we're going to be finishing up the last I am statement. And, And this is what Jesus states, I am the true vine. 
Now, as you do a simple read of this passage, it seems pretty basic, right? We abide in Christ, we produce fruit, praise God. Uh, But I want to unpack a little bit more. I want you guys to really understand who Jesus Christ is and understand a personal relationship with him. As you leave here today, that that he himself would change you. Um, His words are powerful. But uh, let's go. If we could open up uh, John 15, uh, we're going to be, yeah, John 15, verses 1 through 11. But... uh, And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, which I think that's what we primarily teach out of right now. So I'm going to start in verse 11, though. I think this kind of sets the tone. But I'm going to start verse 11, then we'll go through 1 through 11. So here's John 15, 1 through 11. It says here, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified. That you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now understand, uh, there's a lot of information here, a lot of um, preparation for this passage. a lot of knowledge. I don't want to just puffeth you up today. I want to give you knowledge. It, 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 I love Paul's prayer. It says, I pray that you'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that you'd walk in a manner worthy of him, bearing fruit with every good work, attaining to the full knowledge of who he is, strengthened with his power, that you would walk a life of endurance, patience, and joy. Knowing that we come from this darkness of hell, He's brought us out and set us at the right hand of his Father in heaven. He's declared us righteous. So when we begin to understand what God says of us, we realize that I can now walk in a manner worthy of him. So first off, I'd like to talk about the uniqueness of the book of John. We have the seven I am statements. They're metaphors. uh, It shows the divinity of Jesus Christ. Um, The book of John is unique in itself, right? I mean, we have all four gospels. Uh, you read them, and they're distinct in each way. You can look at the Old Testament. There's prophecies like Ezekiel that you could use to, to show this. But uh, Matthew's w- written in such a way that he's writing to Jews saying, look, this is Jesus. He is king. He comes from the line of David. Um, he is your Jewish king. You look at Mark. Uh, Mark is written in such a way that he is a servant leader, that he's servant leader Messiah, someone that we could look up, look up to. Uh, Mark 10.45 says, Look, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. That's the Messiah Jesus talking. 
So you got Mark, the servant leader. Uh, Luke, Luke has portrayed him as the son of man, that he came fully in the flesh. And John is, uh, it's, it's, it's written in such a way that it shows. There's no mistake about it. You, you read it. I know John 1.1, 1, 1, whatever, can be taken out of context. But there's no way, even if you take that out of context, there's no way the rest of John shows that Jesus is God. And that's why in the very beginning, John 1, 1, he make, make no mistake, he's saying, look, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when you read these seven I am statements, it doesn't take you by surprise. Uh, it's not a shock. It's like, where did this come from? Um, you know, he was this Jesus of Nazareth, like this, this little boy, like grew up with us, but now he's making these, these big statements. As we talked about in the past uh, several weeks, these seven I am statements, I encourage you to go listen. If you don't listen, uh, read the book of John. It takes about two and a half hours. Um, it's a great read. I've done it twice in the past couple of weeks. It's easy. I Trust me, you'll love it. Um, I even read before I knew I was preaching this. But um, look, look at the I am statements and see what Jesus is really saying. As we talked about in the previous sermons, I am, it, it really, it's, means to be or to exist. It's always been. It always will be. So when Jesus encapsulated the I am, it's not just this cute coffee cup saying that, you know, we put on our coffee cup. It's, it's showing the power of who he is. And the, the disciples at that time, the Pharisees, they knew very well what he was saying. And this is why they, want, this, this is why they picked up stones to stone him. Apparently, they thought he was blaspheming. And if, uh, if you claim to be God and you weren't, that stoning was the death. That was it. That was part of the Jewish, Jewish law. And that's why they were bringing him uh, before the courts. And that's ultimately why he died. Jesus laid down his life, but, but he used the Pharisees uh, to want to kill him. But uh, the, the six, first six um, I am statements, it's really it's an invitation to sinners. He's, he's preaching to the, the masses. And he's telling them, he's all, look, to those that are thirsty and hungry, I am the bread of life. Uh, to those who walk in darkness, I am the light of the world. Uh, to those looking for the way, I am the door. To those looking for someone to disciple, I am the shepherd. Um, if you despair death, I am the resurrection and the life. And last week, Dave spoke on uh, looking for the way. Which way do you go? I am the way, the truth, and the life. We can know that based on who Jesus is, we could trust what he is saying. Now, as we come to this last I am statement, uh, Jesus says to those in his presence, I am the true vine. This last statement, he is speaking to believers. He's with his select few disciples who've remained with him. And he's telling them, I am the true vine. And there is significance in that. Again, it's not just a coffee cup saying um, there's power. They knew at that time uh, what he was actually saying. As we come back to John 15, um, just he's in the upper room. He's talking to his disciples. He's telling them, hey, this is what's going on. They're kind of confused. It's the Last Supper. They don't really understand the meaning of him leaving. Uh, we, that's last week, the I am, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, but Jesus says, look, he's all, let's go from here. So they got up, they started to leave. He's, they're on their, their process to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where he is to be betrayed by Judas Iscariot. Um, 
And as he's walking through, Israel, you understand, was beautiful grapevines. I've never been there. It's probably like Napa or Sonoma County going through the beautiful vineyards. And Jesus is walking through perhaps possibly the temple or in the vineyards. And imagine he picks up a vine full of grapes that are, are, are ripened. And he begins to tell his disciples. He says, look, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word spoken to you. I want you to know, just as there's physical laws that govern our relationship with the world, so there are spiritual laws that govern your relationship with God. That's Hebrews 11.3. You see, Jesus uses illustrations of the known to make what is unknown so that we can understand the heavens. How can you understand the heavens if you've never been there? You know, if you've never been somewhere, people could try to explain it to you, but that's what Jesus uses parables um, for people to really understand and and, uh, know that the use of the vine here is significant. It had spiritual connotations to the nation of Israel. Now, I love, if you go back to Judges 9, I encourage you to read it. I'm not going to read it now. But um, Judges 9, it's, it's a great symbolism of, of the, the fig tree, the olive tree, and the, the grapevine. And it's really that, that um, it's interesting. Gideon dies, this great judge, and, and now you have his son, an illegitimate son of Bimelech, wants to take over. And, and um, he, he does it illegitimately. He kills Gideon's other, he wants to kill all 70 of his sons. He only gets 69 Gideon had multiple wives. That's how it works out. Um, but uh, one, one of them survived. One of Gideon's true sons of the line survives. And, and he, he stands before the people and he says, look, basically, um, you know, you, you've, God is here for you, but you're forsaken him. I encourage you to go read Judges 9. I could, could go on with this. It's awesome. But it talks about these three trees and the significance of these trees. There's spiritual, there's uh, national religious connotations to these trees. When you understand it, it opens up a whole new line of scripture uh, when you read it, really. It's uh, the olive tree kind of has more like religious, it's, it's salvation to God, represents salvation to God. Uh, it's religious practices, sacrifices. So understand in Romans 11 when uh, the, uh, the, the um, branch is broken off there, that um, no longer did God accept Israel's religious sacrifices. They didn't have the, the access anymore to salvation because they didn't produce the fruit. The uh, fig tree, um, this has national privileges. It's, it's at, when you're born in Israel, like you had access to the oracles of God. It was, it was special. It, they were national privileges. The grapevine, this represents the spiritual privileges we have in Christ. This is the access to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ himself. And so when you begin to understand these, and, and the, the disciples knew this for sure. And so when Jesus came to them to say, I am the true vine, they knew what he was talking about. And I want to go to Psalm 80, uh, 8 and 9. And if you could, though, open to Isaiah 5. I'm going to read there in just a sec. Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. But I want to go to Psalm 80. It's just a couple verses there. It talks about the vine. And um, this is what Psalm 80, verse 8 and 9 says about the vine. It's talking about Israel. It says, uh, you, you removed a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground before it and filled the land. 
Look, you guys, um, God loves his people dearly. He prepares the land. He, he clears out everything. Um, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wanted it with the Israelites, but look what we read in Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5, 1 through 7, um, and it's all littered out through the Old Testament. I love Hosea. Um, read Hosea if you can't. Get some time, uh, 35, 40-minute read. But it says here, Isaiah uh, 5, and this is Isaiah speaking. He's prophesying. He's all, let me sing for my beloved, talking about God. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I look for yield grapes, it yielded wild grapes. And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, it shall not be pruned or hoed, and the briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds and the rain to not rain upon it. So at this time, this was definitely a prophecy of of incoming nations coming to destroy Jerusalem. But look what it says in verse 7, Isaiah 5. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. Look, folks, um, doesn't get plainer than that. God crafted this fertile ground. He drew people unto him. He did the work. Uh, he's just drawing you to the well. And, and he's saying, look, here's this people that are a vine. They're an access to me to have a personal relationship with them. But yet they wanted to go the ways of the world. They didn't, they didn't want God as their king. They wanted to be like other nations and have a king rule over them. Um, and, and God told them what was going to happen. And even that, they, they, you know, was like, uh, no, we're, we're, we want to do the things of the world. Um, temptations we face all the time. But uh, when Jesus, so he tells them, I am the true vine. I'm basically saying I'm the eternal God. I'm the incarnate vine, if you will. I will never fail you. All spiritual nourishment, provision, and goodness comes from me. There is neither, no other source of life. So Israel is now being taken out as the vine, and Jesus is that true vine that we can come to. It continues on in, in verse 1. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser, or in that day is husbandman. Uh, the original word husbandman, is, it means farmer. And, and what does a farmer do when you're, you're planting crops? Like, you make sure you till the land, um, you prep it, you fertilize it. You do everything to make it succeed for that, the seed. When you put the seed in there, is it the seed that does the work? No, it's, it's the farmer that's done the work. That's God, that's God the father, the husbandman. Um, so Jesus is saying, look, remain in me. My father is the one that's going to do the work through me. And uh, you're going to bloom like a beautiful grapevine. But, um, you, you know, we, we look to see what happens later. Um, as we continue on verse 2, this shows two types of believers in Christ. 
right? So he's, he's talking to believers here. And the, the first one is the one who says he believes in Christ, but does not really place his trust in Christ. And I'm sure we've had many people like that. I've had friends like that. I've preached the gospel with. We've done worship together. And they walk away from Jesus eventually. Um, you know, they, they don't bear the fruit. It looks like it, like the, the cellophane wrapped fruit. They look all good and shiny, um, unfortunately. Um, who, who knows? You know, God can always bring them back. back but um, and the example here that we all know is Judas Iscariot, right? He was one of the disciples, and it's amazing. I, I even know like Christ poured into him, but Judas did not have anything to do with it. He sold him out. Uh, he was considered um, greedy, and eventually he, he went and hung himself. And there's some people say, oh, maybe he, he got forgiveness or whatever. But, I mean, the way the story goes, it doesn't look like it. Judas, re- he did not repent. Um, but, he, I mean, he'll face God in, in heaven. Um, but, um, and, and it says here that... The, the branches will be taken away, right? That the branches that don't produce fruit will be taken away. And if we go into verse 6, um, we read that if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast away and burned up. Quite frankly, guys, th- those who do not believe in Jesus Christ ultimately end up in the eternal lake of fire. Eternal lake of fire. And, and um, again, there will be many who say they believe in Jesus, but they don't. Even James 2.19 says that the, believe, the, the demons believe there's one Lord, but they shudder. So just, and understand, believing, like, you could believe all these things, but believe when you really put your trust in someone. That's, that's what they, they weren't, Judas didn't put his trust in Jesus. Now look here, uh, the second type of believer that, that Jesus is talking to. Um, this is the one who places their trust in Christ. They produce fruit. And what happens with them? Look what the scripture says. It says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And he says, already you are clean because of the word spoken. The word here for prune could also mean cleansed. So if you read it, uh, he cleanses us so that it may bear more fruit. Um, You you know, back at vines, does anybody know about grapevines here? (laughs) I'm not calling you up, don't worry. But uh, from what I understand, grapevines, I mean, you think about it. They're in the dust, they're whatever, the, the environment they're in. They get moldy, they get dusty, they get lots of overgrowth. So they need to be clean, they need to be washed, they need to be purged of the dead branches so that more fruit would be produced. Um, now, how do you think God cleans us? It's pretty simple, and this is why I love reading the scriptures. You, so when you read the scriptures for yourself, you pick up so many things, so many questions that you have, and it's like, man, Lord, you're so good. Like, there's so many questions that you could get answered by reading the scripture, but uh, he cleanses us by the washing of his word, the Holy Scriptures. And believe it or not, he uses other people. It just brings me back to, uh, do you remember, it's in the upper room that the, Jesus decides to wash the, the disciples' feet, and then um, Peter says, no, I don't, want, I don't want have any of it. And then Jesus says, well, get away from me. And, and, no, and he says, no, 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 Lord, okay, then wash not only my, my feet, but my hands, my face, like wash it all. And, and Jesus says, no, Peter, you don't understand um, you, you're already clean because of the words spoken to you. It's, Jesus says, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. When you, know, when you come to a, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, you are bathed completely in the blood of Jesus Christ. You are made righteous. That's why you can walk in a manner, manner worthy of him, not because of what I've done. It's because of what Christ has done. Christ sees us completely 
um, as purified. God the Father sees us as pure, and, and uh, we are glorified in him. I love this question. Um, if, if you were the only Bible people ever read, what would it look like? What would that be? And, and I hear the thing, like, you heard, like, there's five Gospels. Have you guys heard of the Gospel? That, that Gospel is you. What would that Gospel say about you? 100, 200, 300,000 years from now, would it look back at this Gospel and say, man, this was a man of faith. This was a woman of faith. Like, this is someone that we can imitate because they followed after Jesus. Yeah, they had their imperfections. As Paul said, I'm not perfected yet. But um, how would that fifth Bible read? Um, and, and I just think, too, like, to the world, are you a Bible of truth? Are you a Bible of love, of honesty? When people know you, hey, that's a Christian. Like, I don't agree what he says, but I love the fruit he produces. It's essentially what... They should, as a co-worker, we should be some of the nicest, most honest. And I'm not saying doormat, because um, love is tough sometimes, but we should be people that say, man, those, that Christian over there, I don't, I hate his God, which I've been told, but that guy's like the nicest guy in the world, you know. Um, and, and just being in the world, no, folks, we are going to get our feet dirty. If you don't get your feet dirty, you're doing something. You're not walking in the world. Because I'll tell you, the things I see out there, the filth, the talk, it, it penetrates my mind. And so what do I need to do? I need to be cleansed in the Word of God. I need to be cleansed by you guys. That's why when I have hard conversations, um, I go to my friends. I go to my believers in Christ. And um, especially after witnessing and someone puts you down and, and forget your God and you're this, and I, I can't say here, but it's like, Lord, um, it's hard. It's hard to walk for you. And, and he says, you know what, Jim? I know. That's why I've given you the Holy Spirit that goes before you to prepare a path for you to walk in. And, and, you, and you rest on his laurels, not on my laurels. Um, I think God allows us to be put in our place sometimes to know that we have to trust in him. Uh, now, know, knowing that Jesus is the true vine, that he's all the source of nourishment that we get, what do we do with that from here? I, I, it sounds great and all, but, but um, this, the next couple verses give us, it clues us in, and I'd even say more, is, is pretty much fact. It, it says here, verses 4 through 5, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, I just think like sometimes cute little slogans, coffee cup. Oh, this is not, you know, like, do we really understand? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, that, you know, because some, we do look at that and we're convicted like, man, Lord, you are the bread of life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And, and, um, but Jesus is just laying it straight out to us. No gimmicks. Um, he basically, he's telling us, look, follow me, obey me, do what I say. Um, yeah, sure, we've been talking about vines, branches, and fruit, but he's talking about a personal relationship with each one of us here. Um, and and we, just, we just need to trust and obey. But uh, it, we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit. I, I think sometimes we look at our lives and go, okay, I, I got to do this, I got to do this, and and no, I got to stop doing this. But, 
you know what? I think what Jesus is really telling us, I know what he tells us, is it's not about you. It's about Jesus. We go to him, and how freeing is that to know he's the one that does the work in me. He's the one that creates the fruit in me. Um, You want an amazing spirit-filled life? Obey Christ. Trust in him. You will bear much fruit. You know what the world says? The world says, follow your heart. Do what you feel is right. Religion says, follow the rules. You know what Jesus says? Follow me. How easy is it? It's like, we, we need structure. Kids, when they're young, um, they need structure. They need someone to follow. I think sometimes as parents, we, we don't, oh, I feel bad, I don't want to. No, they, they are free when there are rules in place. When there is structure in place. And I love when Jesus tells us just to follow him, abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Um, It's pretty simple. Um, And it it says here next, like, so you know who produces the fruit in you? It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot produce fruit on your own. A branch, it's quite silly. A branch that's separated from a vine, is it alive or dead? It's dead. The, the minute you break it off, it is dead. It, it, doesn't, it can't grow anymore. In fact, if there was fruit on it, that fruit would eventually die. But uh, I, I love this, what Paul says. Uh, it's in Philippians. He says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. How freeing is that? Like, I just abide in him? He's the one that does the work in me? Um... And then, and then in Ephesians 2.10, everyone knows Ephesians 2.8.9, for by grace you've been saved, by grace, etc. But Ephesians 2.10 is beautiful. We are, and it's talking about the church collectively, but individually too. Like we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared beforehand that we ought to walk in them, that we should walk in them. Now, how does that look? I don't have to sit and, okay, Lord, um, what good works can I do today? The, help the old lady across the street. Um, what, no. It's just as you're abiding in Christ, as you're walking in him, I guarantee you people are going to be drawn unto you. And don't think it's because of you. It's because of Christ in your life. And when you begin to realize that and you're taking like, okay, Lord, here's an opportunity. Let me speak the word of God to this person. And, and um, you're the one that set this up. And it does take work and discipline, but I assure you, when you abide in Christ, it's a game changer. It's, you rely on him completely. It's not who I am. Your life should definitely be changed. Um, if I'm the same I was 30 years ago, if I'm angry and cursing, cussing, and living a lifestyle 30 years, and yeah, I'm a Christian, like, no, that's baloney. Your life should be changed by the power of Christ. Um, no, no two ends about it. And that's, again, the two believers we talk about, the ones who truly believe, and that's a matter of time. And, and the ones who don't, they believe, but they're not producing fruit, right? Um, I want you to notice something, too. It kind of gets overlooked in this passage. It says, whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who will bear much fruit. I want you to know that, that we are to let Christ in every part of our life. Not just here, Sunday morning, I look good to all you guys. It's easy to look good to you guys, right? Like, okay, I know these are Christians. I need to look good. You know, it's interesting. In, in Timothy, it talks about qualifications of an elder. 
um, is to, to go to their work and to see what people think of them. If you guys go to my work, oh, Jim cusses up a storm. He's dating five women. Um, yeah, he, whatever. Like, this guy, he's awesome. Like, tells d- filthy jokes. That's a clue, like, hey, this, Jim isn't who he says he is on Sunday. There's a disconnect. My life with Christ should change me not only here Sunday morning as we wash each other's feet, uh, we encourage and exhort each other to go out into the world. But you should see it in the world that, these, man, this guy, like, he's the nicest guy. Um, he, he goes above and beyond, doesn't cut the time sheet. Like, this guy, we tell him, whatever, don't worry about that. Like, no, it's, it, it's Christ. that should be Christ in you. And it, it's a simple, it's not like, oh, well, that's legalistic, Jim. It's like, no, that's following Jesus. And, and it's not like it, it's an overnight change. I understand. Um, but, but it's just reassuring to know that he is the one that does the work in us. And, and um, again, we touched this a little bit, but verse 6, if anyone abides, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and they're thrown into the fire and burned. I know, I think people try to say, oh, no, that's just like, you're a believer, but your bad branches are burnt. No, this is, this is talking about this eternity in hell. Um, again, this, is, this verse is symbolic of the nation of Israel. Um, it, it produced no fruit, it's, but it's straightforward to us as well. If we don't obey, if we don't trust, if we don't follow Jesus, even the demons believe in shudder, right? So it, you should have fruit in your life. And, and one of the scariest passages for me uh, as I read Scripture, and it's still... Matthew seven twenty one through 23. It says here, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into my kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty works in your name? And you know what Jesus says? Get away from you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Why is that scary to me? Well, I know I'm saved in Christ, and, and I'll show you in a moment. But um, could you imagine? Could you imagine that being there at the throne, and it's like, get away from me into eternity into hell, isolation, the hot burning, whatever we, we've been taught about hell. Um, I, it's above and beyond anything we can ever imagine or talk about. But uh, I worry. For my family that does not know Christ. I worry for my friends, my co-workers. Um, how about those walking in the street? You're at the store. I, I, I'm constantly like, okay, Lord. And people are like, why do you always say hi to people? It's like, I, I, I'm not, I'm kind of a quiet, personal person by myself. But the Holy Spirit causes me to reach out, causes me to say hi to people in the chance and an opportunity to speak to them about Jesus. And, and I, it's amazing how many times just, okay, Lord, I'm walking for you. I'm not looking for it. Um, I'm going to be the light of the, the Spirit to those around me. And sure enough, conversations start up. And it blows me away. It's like, okay, Lord, you're doing a mighty work. Um, above and beyond anything that I can imagine. It, just, it reminds me of a, in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Um, the lawlessness that Jesus has taught. Because I think sometimes we read this, Lord, what if that's me? Because I still sin. I encourage you to read the first book of John. 
It's an easy read, 15 minutes. I, do it. Please read it. First John will give you a lot of insight to this passage here because um, it talks about our sin. It talks about many things. But um, this is what 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says. This is actually speaking to those who proclaim to know Christ. It might be very pastors in the pulpit that we hear um, or see, but this is what it says. It says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. They'll be boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. You want me to keep going? They will be ungrateful. They will be unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. This is not talking about sinners in the world. This is talking about those that claim to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Um, That's the lawlessness that Jesus is talking about. One who claims to know Christ and then you walk away from church, a totally different person. No fruit is even produced in that life. That's, that's the dichotomy of, of someone who claims to know Christ. It's a Judas Iscariot, if you will. But um, I love this in verse 7. It's an interesting verse here. and It's been twisted and misquoted. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is the name it, the claim it, etc. But understand psalm 37 4 i love this delight yourself in the lord he will give you the desires of your heart he is the one that will change he'll give you compassion for people Um, but i want you to continue reading hold on to this thought for a sec about um, if you abide uh, ask whatever you wish it says here verses 8 through 10 by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as the father has loved me so i have loved you abide in me If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. In order to glorify God the Father, we need to bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples. Well, how do we do that? It says here, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Um, And Jesus even says in 1 John, uh, by the way, but he says, um, my commands are not burdensome. And you know what? Check this out. So, if it glorifies the Father that we bear much fruit and we prove to be his disciples, what do you think we ought to pray for? If we remain in him, it says, ask anything and it will be granted to you. Shouldn't we pray for more fruit, that we be fruitful in our lives? And it's not just fruit that I could say, oh, look at all this fruit you got. No, because he, he prunes us. He reigns us in. Uh, he's the one that gets all the glory. But um, again, we abide in him. And he produces the fruit. And I think of this like a kid in a car. Um, when you're a young kid, I don't know, five, six, whatever, you're going to Southern California and your parents, hey, we're taking a trip down there. You just, you remain in the car, right? You're not second guessing. You know your parents love you for the most part. And you know, like, I'm not, you're not going to jump out. You're, remain, you're remaining for the long haul, right? That's like what it is in Christ, and, and, um, and I'll show you this. So I love this question I ask people. If you die tonight, would you go to heaven? And people, it's, oh, I'm not sure. Um, people tell me, well, you can't really be sure. Like, I understand sort of what they're saying, um, but I love 1 John 5.11. I use this in witnessing. Um, I use it to encourage other Christians. Um, this is the testimony that God has given us. It's eternal life, and this life is in his son. Look, Whoever has the Son of life has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's pretty clear cut. If you know Jesus, you have him. You have eternity with him. If you don't have Jesus, you don't know him. So if anything, that compels me. 
thinking, like, get away from me, I never knew you, compels me to preach the gospel to others. And don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not this, every, oh, okay, everyone, you come to Christ. Like, I get scared. I, I fear preaching the gospel. I fear. But it's like, okay, Lord, you're the one, though. I'm your servant. I abide in you. Um, I'm going to trust in you. But I love verse 13 of 1 John 5. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. This isn't a, well, I think I got life. No, it's that you know. So you can know for sure. If you follow Christ, and what? You're going to see fruits in your life. Um, and talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. Um, I'm going to speed this up a little. i kind of a little out of time. If it gets dark, though, we could turn the lights on, right? So we could be here all night. Um, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. When you abide in Christ, no doubt these will be displayed. Um, and I, I, you look at love, joy, and peace. Like, if you know God, First uh, John 4.10, and this is love, not that we first loved God, but that he first loved us. Um, once we realize that God loves us, we can love others. Once we abide in him and know the love, you can have joy. Once you know you have love and joy, you will have peace. You'll never have joy and peace if you don't have the love of the Father in you. Um, it brings us to verse 11. Again, this is the culmination. These things I've spoken that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Uh, Jesus knew his disciples were having a hard time, but he does care about you. He wants his joy to be full in you. If I can get the band to come up. Probably just a couple minutes here. Um, I want to finish up, though, with a couple things. And at first, going back to the questions I asked you, um, if everyone had the faith that you did, would we be fruitful or non-fruitful? Um, if I told you to others to imitate your faith, what would you say? You know, as, as pastors, I wouldn't be preaching up here if I didn't tell you to imitate my faith. I'm not telling you to be a Jim Cook convert, um, a convert of Andres, or the other pastor. In fact, if you're a Bible study leader here, a community group leader, I would hope that you would say, imitate my faith, because I am weak, I am broken, but you know what? I go to Jesus Christ. All I can't do things, um, I stutter, I stumble, I say the wrong things, I, you know, I try to prepare for things, and, and I, it doesn't come out the way I want it to, but you know what? God loves that person more than I do. I rely that God is doing a work in their life. So, and I've had conversations where I come up to people, um, and it's like, they laugh at my face. Like, and I'm like, have you ever had an opportunity to accept Jesus? And, and it, it's not quite like that, but, um, and laugh in my face. And I'm like, Lord, like, I'm a fool for you. Um, so be it. But the very next sentence, the guy was like, I'm laughing because I had someone else tell me that today too. It just reminded me like, God is working. If, if we all preach the gospel together, not just one person, not the pastors, not the elders, not the community group leaders, and, and it doesn't have to be this leading a thousand people to Christ stuff. It's just being faithful to him, the opportunities that you have. People will ask you questions, uh, and if they don't, kind of like there's some good questions to ask people, you know, and, and uh, I love Proverbs 13, 20, though. It says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You're kind of, in a sense, and Christ has called us to be in the church. Um, he's called us to walk with others. 
But it's like anything in life, right? If you want to be a good um, I, I'm just money market fund, you're going to hang out with people who are successful in that, right? If you want to be a good baseball player, swimmer, you're going to hang out with good swimmers. How, how can I get... You can read about it, but really um, hang out with those that have a faith that's unshakable, that, that love the Lord, that are in the scriptures, that are in prayer. It doesn't mean they're perfect because I send people to scripture all the time. Hey, I don't... Go to the scripture. I'm telling you, there's a peace that you will never, it's, it's, it's the peace of God which transcends un, all understanding. And it, when you, people say, hey, pray for me, and you don't know what to pray for them, pray for the peace of God which transcends all human understanding. Pray that they would know the love of Jesus Christ in their life, that they would have joy and peace in their life. Pray that they would walk in a manner worthy of him, filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I just want to close with this. Uh, I think sometimes we look at like, man, like walk in this faith, like it's hard. Like I'm not good at evangelizing. I'm not good at um, whatever. It's like, you know what? God wants us to be good at the mundane things of life. Jenny and I talk about this all the time, my wife. Um, it's, I'm not, I don't have to grab like, okay, guys, I'm going to start a, a thousand people, Bible study, whatever. Like, no, the, the people that God has put in front of you, be faithful to that. Maybe it's one person. Um, don't feel like you have to, oh, let's encourage, let's do that. No, as, as Christ calls you, as you remain in him, I tell you, the opportunities will come up to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. We're not all going to be Billy Grahams. We're not all going to be Chuck Adams, um, Jonathan Hurley's. I, seriously, it's, it's, we're not all going to have the same hobbies, um, you know, but our faith in Christ, we should be united that, hey, go to the scripture. Be in prayer. Be a faithful servant in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just want to wrap this up, the, the seven great I am's. I, I pray that you would walk out of here just a change in who Jesus is, that he is the alpha, the omega. He is the beginning, the end. He is all-encompassing God. And, and over at uh, Calvary Chapel right now, I think like a BLM movement and LGBTQT, they're protesting, whatever. And people get upset no god takes a negative he'll make it into a positive pray that those people come to know jesus that someone would see the light of a true believer in christ like i said they might be the you might be the only bible that they read and how is that going to be oh upset angry this and that or no man micah 6 8 he has called us what how to walk but to love justice um but to love mercy and to walk humbly with the lord to pray. Father, I thank you for your wonderful gift of Jesus Christ. I thank you uh, that you are the true vine, that you just call us to abide in you, to remain in you. I thank you for your word that you give us to encourage us and the power of the Holy Spirit that goes before us, that prepares a path for us to walk in. You just call us to submit to you in all things, that you're the one that produces the good works. And as a fellowship of church together, I pray that we would be a bright light, that so bright that people around us, that they have to say turn it off or to come into the light i thank you uh, for this day and pray that we go out in the power of the lord jesus christ and i thank you amen